There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 16 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Please listen to Season 4, Episode 15 for Part 1 of this two-part case. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. On March 19th, 2002, Linda Rozelle vanished on her way to work. After a lengthy investigation, police set their sights on Linda's estranged husband, Glynn. His whereabouts on the morning she went missing could not be accounted for, and a considerable amount of Linda's blood was found in a car he had borrowed. Glyn Rozelle was charged and the case went to trial, but he protested his innocence, insisting that the blood found in the car had been planted. crime scene investigator took the stand and provided a detailed summary of his analysis of the Renault Laguna Glyn Rizel had been using on the day his wife was last seen. While it was at the home of Rizel's friend a day after Linda's disappearance, investigator Philip Webster carried out a preliminary search of the vehicle in somewhat difficult conditions, being that it was raining, but he could find no blood. A further search was carried out after the Renault had been taken to Swindon Police Station. The interior of the car was dirty, with a large amount of mud on the exterior. 
where the conditions the previous day had hampered the search efforts, but after a detailed examination, nothing was found. It wasn't until the third search at Wesley Police Station under more controlled conditions that Philip Webster discovered the blood through the use of luminol. When the chemical interacts with blood, the haemoglobin and oxygen-carrying protein breaks down over a short period, usually less than a minute, and the reaction can be seen providing the area being analysed is subjected to low-light conditions. Jurors were told that a large amount of blood was found on the underside of the parcel shelf in the boot of the car, with evidence of blood present around the headrests and armrests in the back seat. It was also found on the driver's side around the door handle and dashboard, and under the glove box of the passenger seat. While crime scene investigator Philip Webster confirmed that blood was in the car, it was Andrew Parry, a home office forensic scientist that confirmed that it was Linda's. The witness told jurors that there was a one in a billion chance that the blood found in the vehicle belonged to someone unrelated to Linda Rizal. Stephen Harrington, another home office forensic expert, could not determine whether Linda was alive or dead when the blood was distributed, but testified she would have been blooded at the time she was put in the car. Harrington explained that the pattern of blood on the underside of the parcel shelf implied there were a number of ways it could have got there. These included cast off from a blood-stained item, if someone had coughed up blood, or an individual was heavily blooded and was struck. The blood found on the top side of the parcel shelf had come in direct contact with blood rather than it being cast off. Interestingly though, Despite a heavily blooded victim being put in the boot of the car, as the prosecution would allege, blood was not found on the whole surface of the mat that covered the floor of the boot. Asked why this might be, Stephen Harrington said this was due to something covering it, shielding it from the source of the blood, possibly some form of plastic sheeting. Further bloodstains measuring approximately three inches were found on a mat in the car, It was believed that these were caused by something that had dripped onto the surface, which had then been smeared. It was postulated by Michael Peroy QC prosecuting that this could have been the murder weapon. The expert witness thought it likely that the culprit would have bloodstains on their clothing. Glyn Rizal's home was searched, his patio dug up, his plumbing dismantled, and items of his clothing were discovered with blood on them but following laboratory testing, only his DNA was found. His blood was also found on the seatbelt on the driver's side of the vehicle. Counsel for the defence Stuart Jones QC spoke of the likelihood that in a struggle of this type, it was possible that the victim would almost certainly have some of their hair pulled out. The QC addressed the fact that hair was found in the car, but after testing was identified as belonging to the owner's wife. The possibility of the blood being planted was raised at this point, but not by the defence, but by Judge Christopher Pitchers, who asked if it could have been done with a syringe. Forensic expert Stephen Harrington explained that it would be possible, but the boot would need to have been closed in order to distribute the fluid the way in which it had been found. 
well into its fourth week. Those at the trial were read a transcript taken from an interview with Glenn Rizal, conducted by Detective Sergeant Tim Corner. D.S. Corner took the stand and read from portions of the interview, in which he asked Rizal how the blood of his wife could have found its way into a vehicle he had borrowed. I don't know how it got there, Rizal replied. Asked where his wife was, Rizal exclaimed, Bloody good question. I don't know how any of the blood got there. I can only speculate. During the interview which took place on May 15th, 2002, Rizal told the detective that his wife was upset with the new life he had made with Rachel Smith, his new girlfriend. He voiced his certainty that Linda had simply run off to cause him trouble and that she had been using their children as a weapon during the divorce proceedings. He even asked what the police had done to track down his wife, asking if they had been to Wales where Linda had family. Asked what he thought had happened, Rizal said the blood must have come from Linda or someone that helped her plant it. During the first week of November, the defence began to make its case. Glyn Rizal took the stand for three days and was at first asked by Stuart Jones QC if he had killed, arranged to kill, kidnapped, arranged to kidnap or knew anything about the disappearance of Linda Rizal. Glyn categorically replied, no. Under a gruelling cross-examination, he was asked why he had given police incorrect information about the items of clothing he was wearing. Rizal put this down to a mistake. There wasn't any sinister reason. I don't have any further comments to make, he would say in a recorded police interview. Rizal did not help his cause when during a short break he lifted a drink of water in what appeared to be a toast to his girlfriend Rachel Smith who was sitting in the public gallery. He raised a smile as he was being watched by Linda's family and her partner Greg Worrell. Following a five-week trial, it was being argued by the Crown that Glyn Rizal killed his wife due to his new love interest and the financial loss he would suffer from his divorce. Michael Peroy QC quizzed Rizal and said, quote, I suggest you killed your wife for the two oldest reasons there are, money and a younger woman you were in love with. That's right, isn't it? In the closing arguments by Stuart Jones QC, he said there was no evidence that Glyn Rizal was directly involved. He left his property on March 19th, 2002 for nothing more than some fresh air. Counsel for the defence argued that the Crown was manufacturing suspicion from their own imagination, as there had been no witnesses who saw or heard anyone being attacked during the time in which Linda was said to have disappeared in the alleyway between Alfscott and Upham Road. Stuart Jones QC addressed jurors and said, quote, The scenario painted on behalf of the Crown is far-fetched and fictional, based on surmise and not based on evidence. A few days before the verdict, Glyn Rizal gave an interview to the Swindon advertiser while he was on bail. He insisted that he played no part in his wife's disappearance 
and said it was likely Linda was alive, although he did not know where. Rizal was certain of this, as local postwoman Yolanda Gingell had provided testimony that she had seen Linda, who was allegedly travelling in a car the day after she was said to have disappeared. Rizal said, quote, I'm feeling exhausted. It has been a dreadful ordeal, worse than I was expecting. Obviously, I'm very worried, but I'm not expecting to be found guilty. I know I'm innocent, and I hope they, the jury, would find the same. He told the reporter that while he could not explain how Linda's blood got in the car, neither could the police or CPS, quote, The only person who knows is the person who did it. I don't think she has been murdered by anybody. I'm at a loss to explain it. I'm worried about Linda. It worried me that she might have mental problems. Although I don't have any feelings left for her, of course, I still worry about her. I haven't seriously thought about prison. If I get a life sentence, then I will probably die in prison. I couldn't expect parole because people who are victims of miscarriages of justice don't get parole. During his summing up, the judge reminded the jury that if they thought it possible that Linda Rizal was still alive, they should not arrive at a murder conviction. Justice Pitcher said there was no doubt that the blood found in the Renault Laguna belonged to Linda, but posed a consideration to the jury. The key question is, how did blood get there? There are, you may think, two realistic possibilities. Her bleeding or bloodied body was in the boot, or somebody had planted it there. You have to get to grips with these two alternatives. The key forensic evidence that the prosecution had presented proved that it was most certainly Linda's blood in the car. But despite Glyn Rizal providing the police with incorrect information about his clothing on the day his wife disappeared, the noose that was found at his home, and his activities being unaccounted for on the morning of March 19th, 2002, there was no evidence that put him at the scene. While he appeared to have a motive, and it was incredibly damning that blood from his wife was found in a car that he was borrowing, all the evidence was circumstantial. Glyn Rizal did not have any previous convictions of violence and did not have to prove his innocence. It was the prosecution's job to prove his guilt. In the packed courtroom full of family members and police officers, the judge informed the 12 members of the jury that the trial would be decided not by forensic evidence or the opinion of experts, but by a jury who were well within their right to discard the evidence presented to them. Justice Pitchers requested a unanimous verdict from the jury. After deliberations which ran throughout the morning, on Friday, November 14th, 2002, the jury did just that. While the body of Linda Rizal had not been found, Glyn Rizal was found guilty of her murder by unanimous verdict. Linda's family were in tears, and even some of the officers who worked the case found it hard to hide their emotions. It seemed like there were no winners, even with a guilty verdict. After passing down a life sentence, 
The judge reprimanded Rizal as he had deprived Linda's family of the only grain of comfort they might have in this situation, laying her body to rest. This is a wicked offence. Unless you choose to do so, we shall never know how you killed your wife. Equally, we shall never know what the motive was, but you have an obsessive interest in money. You have deprived four young children who you should have loved and protected of their mother. This is as dreadful a loss as can be imagined. As he rose to his feet and collected together the copious notes that he had been taking throughout the trial, Rizal looked directly at Linda's family in the public gallery before he was led away. Glyn Rizal would begin his life sentence as a Category A prisoner at HMP Bristol. Detective Chief Inspector Paul Granger spoke of the difficulties in bringing Glyn Rizal to justice as Linda's body had not been found despite police searching around 200 potential disposal sites. The detective described Rizal as a, quote, methodical, very intelligent individual who plans everything and that showed by the way he planned the murder of his wife. Though he thought it unlikely that Rizal would disclose the location of the body, DCI Granger, who led Operation Docker, stated that it would remain an active investigation, with police acting on any information they receive in relation to the location of remains. Granger said, quote, We will not stop looking for her body, because we realise it is an important part of the closure for her family. It has also been an extremely difficult time for the officers, but we have looked after them and given them all the support we can. Linda's family have coped with the pressures extremely well during what has been a real emotional roller coaster. They have conducted themselves in a dignified way throughout the proceedings during what has been a very difficult time. DCI Granger, along with his team, would later receive Chief Constable certificates of commendation for their actions during the investigation. The detective chief inspector would say, There is no doubt in my mind that Glyn Rizal murdered Linda Rizal. The evidence we gathered proves that. The fact that we did not have Linda's body made it a more complex inquiry and we had to prove that she was dead and had been unlawfully killed. It was a privilege to lead the investigation with such a dedicated team of officers. During the judge's summing up of the case, Justice Pitchers told the jury that Glyn Rizal had no convictions for violence. However, soon after the verdict, the papers were quick to point out that just a month before she went missing, Linda's husband Glyn appeared at Swindon Crown Court, facing a charge of unlawful wounding against his wife. It was alleged during May 2001 that he had struck Linda's head against a pane of glass in the porch of the house they had previously shared. Linda provided the court with details of their separation and the subsequent alleged attack which left her with cuts to her head. The argument had started after they each spoke about their new relationships. After hearing the evidence, jurors deliberated for two hours, 
finding Glyn Rizal not guilty. He had argued that she had fallen into the porch window when she lost her footing as he left the house. He too had injured his hand. Forensic evidence presented to the jury suggested that it was possible she had fallen backwards. After the not guilty verdict, Rizal spoke to reporters and said, I'm relieved the court took the time to examine the evidence so thoroughly, and the truth came out at last. It has taken me nine months to clear my name. I don't believe domestic violence is acceptable. I also think that no allegation should be treated softly by police. While he had not been convicted, the allegation certainly would not help his cause, as it was almost a month to the day that his wife would go missing. Further reports in the press claimed that Glynn's appearance in court relating to the incident in May 2001 wasn't the first time he had appeared in court for allegedly assaulting his wife. Neighbours of Linda's at Pentelands Close were reportedly told by police to contact them if Glynn appeared. Leading up to her death, Linda had told her friends that she was petrified that her husband might kill her. Police believed that Rizal took the action he did as he thought he could get away with murder, much like the alleged assaults on his wife. After the trial, the impact of what had happened was still being felt throughout the close where Linda lived. The neighbour Jan Haylett spoke with the Gazette and Herald newspaper. I knew Linda for seven years and never had any doubts about her. She was sometimes tearful, upset and frightened by some of the circumstances that were going on in her life, but all those feelings were perfectly normal. My son once went over the handlebars of his bike and it was Linda he went to see. She put him in her car, took him to the doctors where they stitched him up and brought him back home. It was no big deal, but that's the sort of woman she was. Now the trial is over, everyone has got to try and piece their lives back together and get on. But we will never forget, and her memory will never go away. Reporter Emma Pearson interviewed Linda's cousin Julie Westmore who was now looking after her children. She spoke about Glyn Rizal's acquittal and the devastating effects of the loss. Julie said, quote, A previous jury gave Glyn Rizal the benefit of the doubt and so fueled him to believe he could get away with murder. We have discovered to our cost that the present justice system is not one that anybody should feel proud of. It has taken 18 months for this case to come to court. Glyn Rizal was allowed bail, And while he lived in freedom, four children lived in fear. The youngest was unable to sleep at night, wishing he were dead so he could escape the memories. At the start of 2004, with Glyn Rizal still insisting he was innocent of murder and in the process of appealing, his partner Rachel Smith came forward offering a £5,000 reward for any information that led to the discovery of Linda Rizal alive and well. Describing the appeal as a sick attempt to pervert the course of justice and unbelievable, Greg Worrell, Linda's partner at the time she disappeared, said, 
This is just an attempt to bring doubt into people's minds. But defending her actions, Rachel Smith said, quote, I think she's alive, and I hope this reward will bring some new leads to prove that, because it's in everyone's interest to find her. Once we found her, we can bring her home and reunite the children with their mother, and it would give Glynn his freedom back. Rachel would later comment about the possibility that Linda had fled, and in the process tried to pin the blame on her husband. Linda is an avid reader of crime novels. At the time of her disappearance, she was reading Trial and Retribution 3. The plot features a body in a boot of a car, and the planting of evidence to incriminate someone. Rob Ross, Glyn Rizel's solicitor, had spoken to BBC Radio Swindon earlier that month and said it was unlikely that Linda's body would be found if she was murdered. In the Stark admission, Ross said, If Glyn Rizel killed his wife, then I think it's highly unlikely that we'll know in 2004 where she is. If he's killed his wife, then quite honestly I don't think we'll ever see her again. If he hasn't killed his wife and she's, as we think is a possibility, had a breakdown or just disappeared, then obviously it's possible that she'll show up. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Rachel Smith had set up a website which included information about the case, along with details which were not presented in court. The site mentioned the £5,000 reward, stipulating that it would only be payable on Glynn's release. The evidence could be a recent photo of Linda after Glynn was convicted, or a DNA sample, specifically evidence that would be accepted by the Court of Appeal. Rachel, who was present when Glynn was arrested, told the BBC, quote, I can't leave an innocent man in prison regardless of who he is. The fact that he is my boyfriend is an incentive. If he accepts the verdict and no one protests, people being wrongly in prison becomes more of a problem. He is ready to fight. He knows the truth. The website, which is still active to this day, states that it was only on the third examination blood was found in the vehicle that Glyn Rizel had borrowed from a friend. While the website does acknowledge that the blood is an incredibly strong piece of forensic evidence, it makes the claim that it was planted. Analysis of the Renault Laguna was first completed at Glynn's friend's residence on March 20, 2002. Multiple scenes of crime officers searched the vehicle. Over a period of 40 minutes they could find no evidence of blood or that the vehicle had been cleaned. It was then taken to a police station where further swabs, tapings and samples were gathered. The results did not detect any trace of Linda Rizal in the car, so the vehicle was returned to its owner. The owner, Glyn Rizal's friend, stated that he cleaned the car, but it was seized again, and on this third search, after using luminol, the blood was discovered. Seven samples of unknown DNA were found in the vehicle. Also, the website insists that Glenn Rosell's rights were breached when he was questioned over a period of 17 hours, starting from the early morning of March 20, 2002. It is stated that Rizal was not cautioned or given access to legal counsel, breaching the Police and Criminal Evidence Act 1984. Rizal was charged months later, and these statements were used in court. There were also issues with the cameras that could have been used to validate Rizal's whereabouts on the morning of March 19, 2002. When detectives arrived at his home, asking Rizal to retrace his steps, they noticed multiple CCTV cameras on the journey. Two cameras which Rizal pointed out were attached to Wesley Police Station. He said to officers, quote, There are CCTV cameras outside. You will be able to verify what I am saying. However, they were not recording, and there were delays in requesting the footage from another camera, after which time the footage was erased and evidence forever lost. The website also makes mention of the allegations of domestic violence, insisting that it was only after the separation that these were filed. Furthermore, a phone call was made by Rachel Smith at 8.24am on March 19, 2002. Lasting just under two minutes, Rizal spoke on his landline. While it was possible for Rizal to head out and get to the scene in time, it only leaves a small window of opportunity. 
Frustratingly, police obtained CCTV footage along most of the likely routes Rizal would have taken. But the vehicle he borrowed does not appear in any of the footage. Also, there were no reports of disturbances or screams in the alleyway during the time in which Linda was said to have been abducted. A point to note which is not on the website is that if a vehicle was travelling down the alley, it could only have travelled forward or reversed. It is not wide enough to manoeuvre unless someone had access to one or more of the garages which lined the alley. A forensic search was completed, but none of Glyn Rizal's biological material was found. The summary on the website suggests that either Linda Rizal left of her own accord, or she was abducted by a third party. By March 2004, Glyn Rizal's application to be granted leave to appeal had made its way to the desk of High Court Judge Mr Justice Paul. He rejected Rizal's application. As the appeal continued to make its way through the courts, Rachel Smith, Rizal's partner, began speaking to a private detective who had seen the website and wanted to help free of charge. Rachel insisted that her battle wasn't over. Neither of us are giving up. Greg Worrell, Linda's partner at the time she disappeared, was interviewed and said, I have written to Rachel Smith challenging her to listen to the tapes of the court case because she has only got Glynn's version. She has not replied to my email. I also challenge this private detective to do the same before he makes a complete fool of himself. Judge Kenneth Zucker QC also dismissed Glyn Rizal's claims of innocence in March 2005, ruling that the conviction was not unsafe. Five months later, from police headquarters in Gable Cross, a verdict of unlawful killing was recorded by David Masters, coroner for Wiltshire. In most cases, the family would have to wait seven years before a missing individual was declared dead. However, the coroner had appealed successfully to the Home Office on behalf of Linda's family. He said, quote, All the evidence points to the conclusion Linda Rizal was unlawfully killed. I hope by hearing this inquest we've been able to deal with matters that were in the minds of the family and enable the affairs of Linda to be dealt with satisfactorily. In 2008... Almost six years to the day that Linda went missing, Glyn Rizal was brought before London's Royal Courts of Justice and told the minimum amount of time he would have to serve in prison before he would be considered for parole. Judge Justice Christopher Pitcher stated there were no mitigating factors in the case, as Rizal had refused to admit to what he had done. The aggravating factors were as follows. A planned killing carried out in cold blood a clear intention to kill rather than cause grievous bodily harm, the complete absence of circumstances which might have driven a man to a desperate act of violence, deliberately depriving four young children of their devoted mother, and lastly, concealment of the body. On the topic of Glyn Rizal, Justice Pitcher said, his motive was partly money and partly anger that his wife was getting the better of him. The sums involved were not large, but they meant a great deal to him. 
he came across as an extremely unemotional man who looked first at the financial consequences of his actions. Rizal was facing a minimum term of 16 years, less the two months and two days he had spent on remand. He could appeal for parole at the end of 2019. That same year, the Criminal Cases Review Commission decided that they would not be referring Glyn Rizal's case to the Court of Appeal. On the ninth anniversary of Linda Rizal's disappearance, March 19th, 2011, Sean O'Callaghan was murdered by Christopher Halliwell after she left the Suju nightclub in Swindon's Old Town. During Halliwell's subsequent arrest on March 24th, he divulged to police not only the location of Sean's body, but an additional site in which the remains of another Swindon native were found. The mystery of who this individual was raised a great deal of questions for a number of weeks, with some considering the possibility that Glyn Rizal may well be innocent, as the remains might belong to Linda. However, after DNA testing on bone marrow found in the skeletal remains, the results revealed they belonged to Rebecca Godden-Edwards. But this is not where Christopher Halliwell's potential link to the case ends. While carrying out her own investigation work before the trial for Becky's murder, Karen Edwards, her mother, reportedly looked into Halliwell's activities and noted statements from three witnesses who said that Halliwell was besotted by Linda Rizal. Before his days driving a taxi, he had worked in construction and it was being reported that he had been involved in working on an extension at the Rizal's home in 1998. Further rumours throughout the tabloids pointed out that Linda Rizal had an affair with a builder. Was this Halliwell? No, say Wiltshire police, but it still stokes the flames of interest across the internet as it seems astonishing that a multiple murderer could have carried out building work for another murderer who would kill their victims on the same day, but a different year, March 19th. Linda's family believe there is no connection to Halliwell, saying, quote, We were 100% happy with the police investigation. Greg Worrell, Linda's boyfriend at the time of her disappearance, was quoted as saying, There's no link between Halliwell and Glyn Rizal. Rizal should stay in prison for the rest of his life. He's shown no remorse. He knows exactly where Linda's body is. One day he will show us some remorse and lead us to her body and we can finally have a proper funeral. Rizal is just using the situation. Swindon's a big place. Is there only one murderer in Swindon? By 2012, there had been little movement on the case or any mention in the newspapers either nationwide or local. That was until correspondence from Glyn Rizal, who was serving his time at HMP Kingston in Portsmouth, was printed in the Swindon Advertiser, along with a rundown of the events written by investigative journalist Josh Layton. In the letters addressed to the paper, Rizal wrote of his desire to clear his name and his struggles against the British legal system. 
The most frustrating thing for me is the months of elapsed time that passed between the various legal steps. For example, my lawyers are trying to get access to the Forensic Science Service papers about my case. When the FSS closed down, the papers were passed to the Wiltshire police who were refusing to release them, even though they should have been disclosed before my trial. Few believed Rizal, and he had only a small band of supporters that included his sister Vicky George, who campaigned continually for his release. As 2012 came and went, Rizal was not free, though had been transferred to HMP Guy's Marsh in Dorset, a Category C prison. This afforded him some more comforts, which would have been otherwise denied if he was still serving time in a Category A or B prison. So where are we now? After several failed appeals over the years, a documentary about the case called Conviction Murder in Suburbia aired during June 2018. The BBC programme sought to re-examine the details of the case, explore the other possible explanations, including whether or not the blood in the Rano Laguna had been planted. But the show did little to help Rizal's cause when he refused to undergo a lie detector test. While the results of such tests are questionable, the fact that Rizal was unwilling only casted suspicion. What did he have to hide if he were innocent? On the television show, he said, quote, I never wanted to do it. I'm worried about a false positive. I don't think it's reliable. I just can't see the benefit. He described the test as pseudoscience. After the investigation, the team led by Louise Shorter, a former producer of Rough Justice and current CEO and director of Inside Justice, could find no links that Halliwell was involved, and in fact no evidence that bolstered the claims made by Glyn Rizal that his wife had staged her murder. Towards the end of February 2019, a tip-off was received from a member of the public. Wiltshire police set up a dig site less than half a mile from Linda's former home on Pentilands Close in Highworth. Sniffer dogs, drones mounted with infrared sensors and a forensic team were brought in, with excavation work being undertaken. However, after five days, they found nothing. Detective Superintendent Jeremy Carter leading the inquiry said, This information was passed to us from a concerned dog walker in good faith and was acted upon appropriately and thoroughly. We've meticulously searched this area and concluded that nothing of interest is located there. In his statement, the detective continued, Speculation in the media has been rife since we began working at the site and I would once again like to emphasise that we have never suggested that this search was in any way connected to any other case or inquiry, either active or otherwise.
During the investigation to find Linda Rozelle, it was discovered that prior to her disappearance, a question mark had been drawn on a calendar hanging at Linda's home. It had been written against the date, March 19, 2002, the very day Linda Rozelle disappeared. To Glyn Rozelle's supporters, it is a sign that Linda had planned to disappear, unable to deal with the challenges in her life. To his detractors, it is merely a coincidence, a distraction from the cold, hard fact that Glyn Rozelle murdered his wife and mother of his children. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our Patreon supporters. Don't forget on Monday, September 16th, 2019, Season 1 of They Walk Among Us will be exclusively available on Patreon. For more information, visit patreon.com forward slash theywalkamongus. Details on this episode can be found in the show notes or on our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.